everything, everything, everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Happy Friday morning to you. Welcome to RP3 and company as we're here about to kick off your weekend. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. We got a great show lined up for you this morning. Jam packed, if you will. We got not one, not two, not three, but four guests lined up to get you prepared for your weekend. Our buddy from the Lima Time Time podcast, James Yasko, will join us. Those Strohs, huh? They didn't even have to play yesterday to increase their lead in the American League West as they just keep chugging right along. It's up to six and a half games now. (laughs) The Angels continue to fade despite having two of the sports greatest players of all time. And Seattle is, it's doing something. Mariners are doing something. We'll talk all things Strohs with James Yasko. Coming up at 7.02. At 7.30, William Weathers, associate editor of Tiger Rag, will join us to help us preview LSU at the Hattiesburg Regional. Give us his latest thoughts, what he's hearing. Kay Doty, Jacob Berry, are they going to be fully healthy? What's the rotation going to look like? And what about the level of competition over there in Mississippi? That'll be coming up at 7.30. At 8.15, our buddy Nick Fondo. For cashing tickets, will join us. We're going to talk about bets for NCAA regionals and NBA finals. And then we'll close out today's show with our fourth and final guest. And that, of course, is going to be John J. Hendricks for the Big Easy Blitz, our friend from Sports Illustrated who covers the New Orleans Saints. Get his thoughts on the latest coming out of New Orleans involving the Saints, in particular OTAs, and what has stood out to him so far during the voluntary workouts. So we got four great guests lined up for you today to get you ready for your weekend. Of course, we will always take your phone calls. Hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we got to lead off today's show talking about the NBA Finals. They tipped last night, and <laughs> it's just one of those things where you're watching it and you're going, everyone's going to get themselves a three-pointer. That's how it felt. Just raining threes. Al Horford was making a three-pointer. Just threes, 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 left and right. And it appeared that Golden State was going to take game one. And in stretches, it looked like Golden State was going to take game one easily. But that's not what happened. The Boston Celtics open up the NBA Finals by taking game one. In impressive fashion, mind you, 120 to 108. 120 to 108. They were able to overcome the barrage 
of Steph Curry's three-pointers. Curry ended the night with a team-high 34 points for the Warriors. 12 of 25 from the field, 7 of 14 from three-point range. So it was vintage Steph last night. Andrew Wiggins chipped in with 20 points as well. So you got a good contribution from Wiggins. Steph led the way, but then you look at what happened. Clay Thompson only had 15 points. If Golden State is going to win this NBA championship, they're fourth since 2015. They're going to need more of a contribution from Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Look, Draymond is a former defensive player of the year. He's not an offensive guy. I get that. But two of your big three have to give you more than just 19 points in an NBA Finals game because that's what happened. Clay had 15 and Draymond contributed a whopping four points. Got to get more than that. You got to give Steph more help than that. Porter Jr. gave him 12 points. But Jordan Poole, never been on this stage before. It showed 25 minutes, only had nine points. Two of seven from the field, one from five from three-point range. You didn't get the production out of him like you were hoping if you're Golden State. And once again, got to have other guys step up. Wiggins contributed, but Jordan Poole didn't step up. Draymond Green didn't step up, and Klay Thompson really didn't step up. It was really just the step show. And Boston took advantage. And they did so with Jason Tatum having an off game. He did not have a good game. That was not a good performance by any stretch of the imagination. If you are a top 10 player in this league or want to be considered a top 10 player in this league, scoring 12 points while playing 42 minutes and shooting 3 of 17 from the field, not optimal. Now, where Tatum did make an impact was his ability to find the open man. 13 assists last night. That was huge. He wasn't feeling it. He couldn't get his shot to fall. So he made the adjustment and found other guys to score buckets. Al Horford, old man Al Horford is out there dropping 26 points in the night. Shot 9 of 12 from the field. Old Al Horford. 9 of 12 from the field. Marcus Smart had 18. And remember we talked about Jalen Brown could be an X factor in this in this series. 24 points. Big. Tatum has an off night shooting. Is not himself. And Steph goes off for plus 30 points. 30 plus points, rather. And Boston still wins by 12 points. If you're a Celtics fan this morning, you have to feel immensely, immensely good about your team's chances now. Your whole goal in the NBA in the playoffs is have the opportunity to steal a game on the road, right? And we say that all the time. If you can just steal a game, you'll put yourself in a good position. Great. Boston stole game one. And once again, we, we talked about this 
throughout this week's show. This Golden State team is not the dominant team of that early dynasty run, even before they added Kevin Durant. This is a, a different version, right? They're not as dominant. They still have Steph. They still have Clay. They still have Draymond. They've added a couple of pieces, but they're not the team they were like four years ago. They're going to have to play better and they're going to have to get multiple guys to step up to help them. The Warriors, by the way, had won 13 straight games at home before tonight. That was the third longest streak in NBA playoff history. And credit Boston because Tatum, not good offensively. He was able to create shots for other guys, changed how he played the game, figuring out, hey, I don't have it tonight. I'm having an off night. Credit that. But Al Horford, Derek White, and Marcus Smart combined to score 65 points on 65% shooting, and the Celtics made 21 three-pointers. That's your difference in the game. Can Boston get Derek White, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart to combine for 65 points while they're shooting 21 three-pointers in a game? Can they do that for an entire seven-game series? I don't think so. But credit them, they had multiple other guys step up Took advantage of some matchups. They also took advantage of Golden State having a few guys on the floor that hadn't been there before. That were young and inexperienced just like they are. But 65 points from those three guys. That's a huge deal. Will they be able to do that and duplicate that over and over again? I don't think so. But we're going to find out. I mean, we have to wait until Sunday for there to be another game. <laughs> because, well, the NBA is the NBA. Let's take two days off in between. You'd expect on Sunday's game two to have a more inspired, focused performance by the Warriors. They're going to be at home. They realize they just took a great haymaker from Boston, and now they got to dust themselves off, pick themselves off the mat, and get back out there and punch back. There were stretches in last night's game where Golden State looked lifeless. And you're just like, what are you doing? They did not rise to the occasion. Clay's got to score more than 15. Look, you can get away with Draymond getting you single-digit numbers when it comes to points because he's an intensity guy and he's a defensive guy. But you got to get more than 15 from Klay Thompson and you got to get more production out of Jordan Poole. Steph's not going to be able to do it all by himself. He tried. He tried his best last night. Wasn't enough. Because Boston had better depth in this game and its depth stepped up and performed better. 
that huge fourth quarter, man. It's just huge. Came back, overcame Steph. 34-point performance. I'll say it again. Al Horford hit six three-pointers. Al Horford, a 4-5 old man, made six three-pointers. That's not going to happen the rest of the series. But that was the type of night it was for Boston. Most lopsided fourth quarter in NBA Finals history. That's how dominant Boston was in the fourth quarter. It was the most dominant fourth quarter performance in NBA Finals history. Well, (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Credit Boston for stepping up, having guys gut check time and taking care of business. Absolutely. But we got to put this somewhat at the feet of Golden State as well for wilting a little bit here, right? You have to kind of do this. You kind of have to look at this and go, okay, some accountability has to be had by Golden State. Because... They did not play well in that fourth quarter. They looked awful in the fourth quarter. Boston looked great. They took advantage, as you're supposed to do. But Golden State, man. They just got outplayed, out-hustled, out-coached. Entire fourth quarter. And then it got to a point late in the fourth where you're like, eh, That's pretty much a done deal right there. Like, you could just see it. You're like, that's done. Boston shot 50.6% from the field in this game. And Golden State is known for its three-point shooting. They shot 42.2% from three-point range. Boston shot 51.2%. Just unbelievable. Just unbelievable how well Boston played. Boston shot the ball in this game. And Golden State can play defense. That's the other part of this. That's what makes it a little bit surprising. You're like, um, what just happened? What just happened? So credit Boston. They take game one of the NBA Finals. 120 to 108. Game two will be Sunday. That's right. Two days off for no good reason. Well, I know why they're doing it because they want to maximize their television money. But can Boston go up two games to none now? Can Golden State bounce back and find other guys to step up and be able to flush away a game? where they played some of the worst basketball that we've seen Golden State play in the fourth quarter. Can Boston still have guys like Derek White and Marcus Smart and Al Horford combined for 65 points? We'll find out Sunday night, game two of the NBA Finals. But we got to take a timeout. Good start to today's show. 
It's about to get even better. NCAA Regional Weekend is on tap. LSU in Hattiesburg. UL in College Station. Even got La Tech over in Austin and southeastern Louisiana in Auburn. But we're going to take a moment to preview the Raging Cajuns as they gear up. They held their final press conference of the week yesterday over in Texas. We'll break it down for you. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes like Astros tickets, station swag, a round of golf, and more. Plus, there'll be appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities. All the folks, Jordy Holberg, Kevin Foote, yours truly. I'm not your favorite, but yours truly. And then, of course, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the location as well. Come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd, starting around 4 o'clock till almost 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. Ooh, that'll be fun. Save the date, Wednesday, June 22nd. Speaking of saving the date, many teams circle on their calendar NCAA regional weekend. That's the goal. Win your conference tournament or do a good enough job during the regular season that you earn an at-large berth to an NCAA regional. And we had four teams from the state of Louisiana do just that. Louisiana Tech up in Austin as the two seed. Southeastern Louisiana defeated McNeese in the championship series for the Southland Conference. They're over in Auburn as the four seed. The Raging Cajuns. They're over in College Station as the three seed as they went on a magical run and won the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And then there's LSU over in Hattiesburg. And for many, for many, this feels like the easiest of the four teams. But Southern Miss, who is your host, we've said it over and over again, has had a very good season. They took two or three from the Cajuns. They took two or three from Louisiana Tech. They beat Ole Miss. They beat the defending national champions, Mississippi State. They beat Alabama. So they have some impressive wins on the resume. Now, they stumbled a little bit at the end, including losing two games to the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners in the conference tournament that they hosted over in Hattiesburg. But they're a good program and having a very good year. 
but everyone still likes LSU because you're going to get Jacob Berry back. You're going to have Kay Doty back. And your LSU, you should be able to go on the road as a two seed and win that regional. You should. As well as they rake, they should be able to. But are they going to have to do so by just playing gorilla ball? Because where's the pitching going to come from? That's the big question mark. You can throw Hilliard. That's fine. Where's the rest of the pitching coming? They don't have another guy on the staff that can throw for more than four innings. You're going to have to <laughs> win multiple games to win a regional. So that's the big question mark as the Tigers begin play tonight in the Hattiesburg Regional. That's a 2-3 matchup. They're going to take on Kinsaw State. 6 o'clock first pitch. Pre-game will begin at 5.30. You can listen to it live right here on the game. You're home for LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. But does their approach change? Does Jay Johnson in his first season at the helm of the LSU Tigers, does his approach change with the work? Does it change from what he did in the regular season to now that they're in an NCAA regional? And this is what he had to say yesterday. Yeah, I think it's just, as Coach Barry alluded to, is you got to persevere and you got to play good baseball. And that doesn't change from game one to the postseason, the same things you need to do to be successful in a regular season game are the same things you need to do here. So business as usual, right? Business as usual. He understand you, you, you don't. Some coaches will tweak things when they get to the postseason. Others do not. Others are creatures have it, and they're just like, I got to keep it exactly the same. Because this is what got us here, and we're not going to change it now. And But it is his first year, and here they are, despite an up-and-down season, despite not having enough quality frontline pitching, the Tigers find themselves in an NCAA regional in Jay Johnson's first year at the helm, and he was asked, what does that feel like? Yeah, like I said, it's a, a good group of players. Uh, they've done everything that we've asked them to do, maybe a little different style than before, but have, have bought into that, have worked extremely hard. Uh, we've pushed them, you know, really hard and uh, very deserving to to get here, to be here, and um, really looking forward to the weekend. All business. And I think that's the right tone, especially with this LSU team. I, I just I just think that's the... I think it's the right tone that they have to take. I don't think there's a choice here. They they need to take that tone because the team has been so wildly unpredictable this year. They just have been. Look at how they ended the regular season. Swept at home by Ole Miss for the first time ever. Then goes on the road and sweeps Vanderbilt for the first time ever in Nashville. Gets to the SEC tournament, wins a game, then loses two. And looks awful in the final game against Kentucky. Yet you don't know what you're going to get out of LSU. You know the talent's there. You just don't know what you're going to get. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over in Hattiesburg this weekend for the Tigers. For the Cajuns, meanwhile, they're in the opposite direction. They're over in College Station. They're the three seed in the Texas A&M regional, the College Station regional, rather. Texas A&M is your host. Great turnaround for them, the Aggies. They went from not making the SEC tournament last year to hosting a regional this year. TCU, though, is first up for the Cajuns. They got to take them on tonight, your perennial 
power a team that won the regular season championship for the Big 12 and a team that has uh well been well documented ended the season for Texas A&M over and over again including two super regionals and in the college world series so that's what's facing the Cajuns straight up right off the bat and Matt Deggs shared his thoughts about just how deep just how much of a challenge the College Station Regional is. Yeah, this is a special place, and uh, you know it's it's uh, one of a kind. And I know a lot of people still here, and they're going to do it right, and it'll be a great experience for these kids. It's going to be tough. What could be key here is something that has made the Cajuns get to this point, and they get aggressive on the base paths, right? That's that's part of their identity with Matt Deggs at the helm. That's why I said about halfway through this year, this team started to feel like it was actually Matt Deggs's team. And the base running ability is a big part of that. And Coach Deggs talked about his team and their ability on the base pass. I think the way you manage the run game is you get the hitter. And, uh, you know, that's what I've always subscribed to is get the hitter. When you're when you get distracted, that's when issues start to happen. And uh, we've been fortunate on our end because we've got the best catcher in the league, and he's done a great job for us. Uh, but look, the run game's a run game. It's only there if it's uh, you're presented an opportunity. If if you got a, a really good arm on the bump that the ball's not in the air very long, and and they get a good catcher, it's gonna you know it's gonna be tough to run. So. At this level, you got to play straight up baseball till you get some house money and, and maybe find a chink in the armor and start chipping away at it. So they got to start chipping away. The Cajuns just have to do what they've done. To, they got themselves here. First regional appearance since 2016. You can't change it, right? You, you, you dance with the girl that you came with, as they like to say. Don't try to do too much. Just be who you are. Sometimes we see this, especially in the postseason, where a team will be like, okay, we're at this stage now, so now we got to change things. No. Just be who you are. It's going to be an emotional time. First regional for the Cajuns since 2016. Mac Deggs is going back to the school that years ago had to fire him. And it was an emotional time. They didn't want to, but... His life was not where it needed to be at that time, and he lost his job. Then Tony Robichaud gave him a call and said, hey, let's help you out. Let's get you clean. Let's get you on the right path, and let's get your career back on track. And that's why he credits Robe for not only saving his career, but saving his life. So this is – it's just not, hey, the Cajuns got to an NCAA regional. It's that and, oh, by the way, Matt Deggs returns to the place where he was a former – high-level, highly regarded assistant coach and lost that job. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. So, tough task right off the bat for the Raging Cajuns that they take on the Horn Frogs of TCU tonight. First pitch scheduled for 7 o'clock over in College Station for that regional. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to shift gears away from the NBA Finals and NCAA Regionals. 
We're going to go to the gridiron. OTAs in full effect for the New Orleans Saints. Lots of buzz about what's happening down there in New Orleans with this team. We get to hear from Jarvis Landry. Juice gets to talk to us. Got to hear from him yesterday. Also, Paulson Adebo and the young man out of Tennessee, the versatile defensive back, Alante Taylor. We'll hear what they had to say. That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with the college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, today is going to be the day, June 3rd, right now, 6.40 in the morning. It's going to be the time that you're going to be signing up for the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, it's easy to join. You just go to the website, man. Just go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab. Boom, you go right there. Sign up. And here's the thing. You get 500 points for just signing up. That's it. You get points for signing up. You get points for signing up. It's just that easy. Just that easy. And once you become a member, you'll have opportunities to continue earning points. And those points are your collateral. Think of it that way. Your currency, if you will. You use those points to be able to enter to win free stuff. Oh, man. Like what, you ask? What about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou? Oh, man. Good stuff there. Good stuff, right? Delicious, mouth-watering steaks cooked exactly how you want it. I'm not joking. You want it rare? You want it medium rare? You want it medium well? They're going to cook it to perfection exactly how you want it. Great sides, adult beverages, even got a cigar room. You can have a tremendous time down at Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. We want you to experience that by hooking you up with a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's, but we can only give you that and hook you up with it if you're a member of the game's clubhouse. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. It's easy to do so. Simply visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. We'll be unveiling our poll question of the day in about 15 minutes from right now. But right now, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints football, OTAs in full effect. And you're getting a lot of star power showing up for the voluntary workouts. Tyron Matthew, Jameis Winston, so forth and so forth. It's a good sign, especially with Dennis Allen taking over as head coach that a lot of the new faces, a lot of the vets are showing up and showing up early. Once again, this is voluntary workouts. You don't have to be there. Yet, a lot of the Saints are there showing up. And of course, one of the new faces on the team that's there at OTAs is Jarvis Landry, the former LSU Tiger and Louisiana native. 
He came back home, signed the team-friendly deal. And now you look at this offense, healthy Michael Thomas on the outside, Chris Olave, the rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State on the right side. Now you got the veteran multiple pro bowler Jarvis Landry. He's going to line up in the slot. <laughs> what? That's going to be nasty. That is going to be absolutely nasty if all three of those guys can stay healthy because then you're going to have Callaway and Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris, now Hardy. He changed his name. You can line them up at four, five, and six. They struggled to be the one, two, threes last year. But they have experience, and they can help you stretch the field. And I'm not even talking what they're doing at tight end. For Landry, it's coming home. It's also an opportunity to prove that he's still got something in the tank and to prove that he's healthy. Remember, for the majority of Jarvis's career with the Dolphins and with the Browns, he was healthy. Uh, he just caught everything thrown his way. Last year, he got nicked up. Missed about half the season. You know, the big goal for him for this upcoming season is to make sure that he stays healthy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's been a breath of fresh air, you know, um, to be back home, to be around the culture that's already been set here um, in New Orleans, the leadership that's here already. And obviously, you know, we all need to stay healthy, you know, stay healthy so we can you know, have a chance to do what we set out to do. Speaking of staying healthy, Michael Thomas has essentially missed the last two years. Former All-Pro record-setting, NFL record-setting wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. He's coming back, and, you know, you get to have Landry and Thomas on the field at the same time. That's pretty exciting stuff. This is what Jarvis had to say about Michael Thomas. That's my brother. Excited to see him. You know, we've always been talking We've had a long-standing relationship since, you know, he was in high school, we were in college, you know, so he's a guy that as time went on and obviously the things that he did here in New Orleans, you know, you look up to a guy like that, you know, um, so he has a, a lot of, uh, of potential, even more potential going forward, and I can't wait to see him out here and line it up with him. It should be fun. I said this early in the process about Jarvis. Jarvis is an unselfish dude. Was that way in high school? Was that way at LSU? It's been that way in the pros. It's never been about him and him getting his reps or his catches or his touchdowns. It's not what he. It's just not what he's about. Right? It's just not how he's built. It's funny because one of his best friends is Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> right? Who has a reputation of being the exact opposite. But Jarvis is just a low key guy. He's just a grinder. That's the best thing that could happen for that wide receiving core, by the way. Having a humble guy that says, you know what, it's not about me. I'll do whatever is needed. You want me to go across the middle? I'm going to cross the middle. You want me to catch three-yard passes all day long? That's what I'll do. I don't care. Whatever helps the team. That wide receiving room needed the veteran guy, and Jarvis is going to do a lot of good with Chris Olave. He's going to do a lot of good with Michael Thomas. That's the type of move that could pay off dividends in ways that you don't see on the field. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's what you're going to see. You're, just, you're, just, you're not going to see that on the field always. We already said 
What about Michael Thomas? Well, what about Chris Olave? How much has he been impressive to the old wily veteran Jarvis Landry? He's been outstanding. Uh, he's in great shape. He, he, he's running great routes. He's on top of the playbook. You know, he's he, he going to be a contributor, a big-time contributor for sure, as it looks right now. Something else that stood out, look, he, he's going he's gonna to fit right in to the culture. He's going to mentor Chris Olave. He's going to work with Michael Thomas because Mike, you know, things got a little frayed there, the relationship between he and the Saints. Landry's not going to have that baggage, and Landry's just going to – they're going to click, right? And Jarvis knows how to deal with guys who are have the reputation of being a diva wide receiver. Jarvis is just that guy. He understands how to deal with that, right? That's going to be a big deal. But I, what I found interesting is what Jarvis had to say about a quarterback that many Saints fans do not believe in, many Saints fans don't think should be the starting quarterback. That's Jameis Winston. He's a leader, man. He's he's a guy, again, like I, I, t- I told you guys earlier before when I first got here, he's one of the reasons why I came here. Just the conversations that we had, you know, the intent that, you know, he's putting about behind the things that he's saying, you know, and obviously out here on the field, you know, what you see is what you get, you know. I mean, look, I don't see nobody else out here, and this guy's the last one, you know, and that's who he is, you know, and uh, that's something that you want at that position and a part of your team. There you go. You heard that. That's from a veteran Pro Bowl wide receiver. what What did he say? What did he say? You know what? We're going to play the clip again. I want you to listen to this, Saints fan, because this stood out to me because many of you want to bag on Jameis Winston. Many of you don't think he's a good fit. Listen to what Jarvis Landry, veteran, wide receiver, multiple pro bowler, guy that's well-respected in NFL circles and in locker rooms, had to say, about the man who's going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. He's a leader, man. He's he's a guy, again, like I, I, t- I told you guys earlier before, when I first got here, he's one of the reasons why I came here. Just the conversations that we had, you know, the intent that, you know, he's putting about behind the things that he's saying, you know, and obviously out here on the field, you know, what you see is what you get, you know. I mean, look, I don't see nobody else out here, and this guy's the last one, you know, and that's who he is, you know, and uh, that's something that you want at that position and a part of your team. I said it from jump. Winston humbled himself because things didn't work out in Tampa. He came to New Orleans. He learned under Drew. He learned under Sean Payton. And that locker room accepted him from jump. From jump. And he played on a divisional rival. And that locker room accepted him. Cam Jordan, DeMario Davis, guys on the defense, guys on the offense, they all accepted him and made him part of their brotherhood. And they did it quickly. Saints fan, I know you don't think he can play. I get that. But his teammates believe in him. And that is a huge deal. That is a huge deal. You may not believe in Jameis Winston. But Dennis Allen does. Mickey Loomis does. And more importantly than the coach and the GM believing in him, the guys that put on the black and gold jerseys believe in Jameis Winston to be their quarterback. 
They believe if he would have been healthy last year, they would have been a playoff team. And they believe that he's going to be healthy now and that he is going to be their guy. New guys on the team believe in him. Old guys on the team believe in him. He's not going to be Drew Brees. I've said it over and over again. Jameis Winston is not going to be Drew Brees. But he's going to be good enough, and he's going to be a good enough quarterback to help the Saints once again be a playoff team and win that division. He is that. And at the end of the day, if you're going to have a top five ranked defense, which it looks like the Saints are probably going to have, I think that's good enough. The Saints believe in him. And, and once again, Jarvis is like, what he said, he's, he's sometimes Jameis is the only one out there. I don't see anybody else out there except for Jameis. He sets the tone by putting in the work. He's injured. He's not even fully cleared, fully healthy yet. He's out there putting in the work when no one else is. That's what you want to see. I know everyone focuses on the 30 and 30. I get it. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I get it. You look back in the history of Bruce Arian quarterbacks. Big Ben was a turnover machine. Andrew Luck was a turnover machine. Especially early in the in the tenure, his quarterbacks tend to be turnover machines. He doesn't have to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But Jameis Winston can be good enough to help this team make it to the playoffs and win playoff games. And the new guy already believes in him. That speaks volumes. Hey, I came here because of conversations I had with Jameis. Jarvis could have went anywhere. Jarvis Landry could have signed anywhere in the NFL. He chose to come home to play for New Orleans, and part of that was Jameis Winston. Got to take a timeout. We'll unveil the poll question of the day and wrap up our number one. That's all coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Oh, want to see the Astros in person? Then you need to listen up. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astro Weekend getaway. Houston's going to take on those Southsiders. That's right. The Chicago White Sox come to town for a weekend series, and they're going to be taking part in a fisticuffs. No, no, just a game on Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. That's right. Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros, inside Minute Maid Ballpark, Saturday, June 18th. Simply register in the game clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. I didn't stutter. You're going to get four tickets, a tour of the ballpark, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. So you can see the Strohs take on the White Sox at Minute Maid. Astro Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But you can only win those tickets by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today. It's easy. It's free. And you can score Astro Weekend getaway tickets. Hello. Poll question of the day. It's Saints related. Which new Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up this season? Is it Jarvis Landry? Is it Tyron Matthew? Is it Chris Alave? Or is it Trevor Penny? 
Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout. Hour number one, already in the books. Hour number two, we'll kick it off with our buddy James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast and the Houston Chronicle, talking all things Houston Astros. That's next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, happy Friday morning to you here on June the 3rd, 703, which means second hour of RP3 and company has arrived. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined here in the studio by the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. Covered a lot of ground in hour number one. NBA Finals game one in the books. Boston Celtics have a fourth quarter, a fourth quarter, remember, as they take down the Golden State Warriors despite Steph Curry dropping 34 points on the night. Celtics get a ton of contributions. Al Horford, Marcus Spart, and Derek White combined for 65 points as the Celtics shot 21 threes in this ballgame. Let's see if that helps set the tone for Boston for the remainder of the best of seven series for the Larry O'Brien Trophy. We also touched on NCAA regionals. They begin today. LSU in Hattiesburg as the number two seed. They'll take on Kinsall State at 6 o'clock. First pitch scheduled for then. Pre-game begins at 5.30. You can listen to LSU right here on the game your home for LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana the Raging Cajuns meanwhile they're over in College Station taking part in the regional hosted by Texas A&M the Cajuns are the three seed they're going to be taking on Big 12 regular season champion TCU that'll be tonight seven o'clock scheduled first pitch for Matt Deggs' team and we also talk some New Orleans Saints football OTAs in full effect lots of guys are taking part in the OTAs that's a good sign, especially for new head coach Dennis Allen. That leads us to our poll question of the day. Which new Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up this upcoming season? Right now, 67% of you say Trevor Penning, the big fella, the offensive lineman out of Northern Iowa. 40, oh, it's changed. A flurry of votes already. Now, 43% of you say Chris Alave is who you're the most excited for. 29% of you say Trevor Penning. And 14% apiece say Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time for us to talk a little Houston Astros baseball. Strohs didn't even have to play yesterday. And they increased their lead in the American League West to six and a half games. It seemed like yesterday that people were writing all these elaborate think pieces on national media sites about the... Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim County, San Diego Credit Union, and then the Seattle Mariners about they were taking over the AL West. Yet, here we are, and the Strohs are in complete control as expected. 
To break it all down for us is our good friend from the Lima Time Time podcast and a contributor for the Houston Chronicle, Mr. James Yasko joins us now. James, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I am very well. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. It's always pleasurable when you wake up and your team didn't play, yet they increase their lead in the divisional race. Correct? Yes. This this is always a good thing. That's that's just where Jeff Luno is such a genius that they don't even have to play and they they <laughs> gain ground. Uh, that's that's a credit to Luno, to James Click, to the front office, to the team, uh, who are all just good Christian boys that love their moms. <laughs> uh, what do you make though of the? Uh, are you surprised that the Angels are sliding? Because it did look like they had kind of figured things out, right? It did look like they had finally figured things out. And they are just fading, and it's only June. Well, and and the problem, and, and it's been the Angels' problem for forever, is is you know they've got these generational talents, um, and and, and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Uh, they added Anthony Rendon. What they should have done is add some pitching, and and it's the pitching has always been sort of the Angels' downfall, um, and and we've seen, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, if you if you have a, a bad couple of you know if if you have a week of of not great starts from your starting rotation, that 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 trickles down to affecting your bullpen because you're asking your bullpen to to pick up more innings, and that means that there's less rest and and it just sort of snowballs on you. And if you don't if you don't have that stopper, that that Justin Verlander who's going to go out and give you seven and you know seven eight innings, you know pretty much every time he goes out. Uh, then, then it, it's going. You're and, until you get some some rest, and until you get some reinforcements, uh, it's it's just going to kind of slide away from you. And that seems to be what's happened with the Angels. Mariners, not surprising at all. That's what the Mariners do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, they do, and they have young talent. They just can't seem to put it together. All right, let's shift. That's the, a shame. Let's yeah, let's shift the focus to the Strohs. Let's talk about the pitching first because I know we get so focused on the lineup and how great they are. It's a murderer's row. I understand that. But I could make the argument that the Strohs right now could have the best pitching staff, starters, and bullpen in any team in Major League Baseball. Am I crazy for thinking that and saying that? No. Um you know, if, if you're going to compare it, then then let's see when Degrom gets back and and let you know we could we could sort of go toe to toe with with the Astros and the Mets uh, on who has the best pitching staff. But but it's sort of no, that's that's not a crazy thing to say that not only is their lineup absolutely stacked, but they might have the best collection of arms. Uh, and you know, they, and they've got a guy at AAA, uh, Hunter Brown, that that he is he is ready. There's just nowhere to put him. Uh, and until, and, and, and then, you know, Lance McCullers is going to come back presumably at some point, uh, in the next couple of months, like it's, it's just sort of, sort of crazy what, what the Astros have built. When you look at the guys in the rotation, cause they can go six deep right now. And obviously you'll get Odorizzi back. You'll get McCullers back as well. You have Brown waiting in the wings, dominating triple a ball right now. He's got nowhere to go. Who is the weak link of your rotation? If you had to pick one guy that you go, eh, that may be someone that may find his role reduced as the season progresses. I'm I'm curious about just how healthy is Jose Arquiti. 
uh, because like his his velocity is a little bit down, and his his last couple of outings he's been he's been absolutely blasted, and it, it's a lot of loud contact, and it's a lot of hits, um, you know, and and so it, it, it it's not as though I don't know that you can be a, a two or three year wonder. Uh, and then suddenly it, it falls apart. Like I don't, I'm, I'm curious, is there something going on with Urquidy that, that the Astros are, that that's one of the reasons that they went to a six man rotation is to give Urquidy a little bit more rest between starts because he's just been lit up the last few times out. So, the, so he, if I had to pick who's the, who's the weak link, who's, who is the guy that Brown is going to come in and replace it? It might be Urquidy. How much of an advantage is it? for the Strohs, in particular for Dusty Baker, knowing that if his one of his starters gets roughed up and has a bad outing, he can bring in his bullpen and they can give him five innings of essentially scoreless ball. Yeah, no, that's it's it's huge. And and one of the things that that in sort of hindsight we can kind of look back and and say, oh yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense is is that, you know, the, there's not the, the bullpen isn't the isn't comprised of specialists and you kind of had to get away with that with a new three batter minimum you can't bring in a guy to, to face one batter and pull him but but they're guys that for the most part can give you multiple innings if 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 you need them to uh and 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 that's that's huge just to get you know we, we've talked for a long time about just get 27 outs you know get 27 outs and 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 you know do that with relatively little drama and and it's generally going to be okay uh, and there's a lot of weapons that the dusty has has access to 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 get those 27 outs we're talking with james yasko co-host of the lima time time podcast also a contributor for the houston chronicle he joins us here in rp3 and company talking all things houston astros after verlander who obviously is having a phenomenal season as it stands right now on june the 3rd what do you think the rotation should be moving forward? If the playoffs began today, what would your four-man rotation be and who would be the fifth guy that you could bring in out of the pen to eat up innings? Ideally, Lance McCullers is in there. Um, be Just because that, I mean, he is he is an absolute gamer uh, and and would be, you know, we, we saw it in the ALDS. We've seen it in numerous postseasons uh, already <clears throat> that, so, so, I mean, you go Verlander, uh, you know, Framber, McCullers, and, you know, you can sort of take your pick. I think, uh, you know, one of the smart, one of the, one of the benefits of having Javier sort of slowly get stretched out into a starter is, you know, how many times have you seen, you know, a starting pitcher kind of get into trouble in the second or third inning uh, of a short series in a playoff game and, and you pull him, you know, because you don't want to lose the game, but also like, all right, today's not your day. Uh, we might need you down the road and you bring in somebody to throw the next four or five innings, you know, that could be Christian Javier. Um, so I would, I would envision him in more of a sort of a long relief role, you know, once October comes around. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's, 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 so yeah, I, to answer your question, I got distracted um, by nothing, actually. That's just kind of where I am. I did nothing, nothing distracted me, but yeah. <laughs> I just kind of looked away. I, did, I, 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 I didn't know if there was some type of highlight of English Premier League on that just caught your attention. No, I'm ready to talk about that, though. Uh, so I'd go, um, I would go Verlander, <laughs> McCullers, Framber, uh, 
and you just kind of figure it out after that, whatever the matchup says. Let's go to the lineup because what I find so fascinating about this team, and I've said it over and over again, James, is you'll have guys in many slumps. We had it this year with Altuve in a slump before he got injured. Bregs in a slump. Yuli was in a slump. Michael Brantley currently is somewhat in a slump. It doesn't matter. Like it, 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 they're, The lineup is so good that you can have guys, and Dusty is allowed to let his guys hit themselves out of slumps because you'll have a random eight-hole hitter step up and get three hits in a game to pick up the slack of the top three batters going 0 for 9. It is absolutely ridiculous just how talented this lineup is. Uh, is it yeah no yeah <laughs> you're exactly right you're you're exactly right um the 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 way that i was looking the other day it was a game the astros won and and the the batting average leader for the team was altuve at 286 uh and we're used to seeing you know a few 300s in the in the in the lineup uh and they're, they're not there yet i mean you could say that the astros have a six and a half game lead in the division and and they still haven't quite put it all together yet um, but one thing that they're they're all for the most part really good at doing is is if they're not hitting they're still getting on base, uh, and that's the the plate discipline and working the count and working the strike zone to get on base and and then you have that you know, Martin Maldonado comes you know gets his weekly hit that happens to drive in three runs and and it's it's just you could objectively say like they haven't really clicked yet and and they're still you know dominating this division. Let's look to this weekend series because it wraps up the nine-game road trip. The road trip started off with the bats going silent in the first two games against Seattle. They gut out the window, avoid the sweep, then they go and sweep Oakland. What's the expectation? What's going to make this a successful road trip as they wrap it up with a three-game set in Kansas City? I mean, Kansas City is objectively not that great, and it looks like they're they're sort of building – you know, for a couple of years down the road. Um, but I mean, obviously you, you want to win the series, you know, so, so minimum take two out of three. Uh, ideally it's a sweep. You know, one thing that I was looking at yesterday is that, is that once this series is over, the Astros are exactly one third of the way through the season, but we'll have played, uh, what was it? They, they've only played 21 home games. So it'll be like 33 road games, 21 home games, you know, that, that means that of the next 108 games, you know, you've got like 60, 61 games of, of those are at home. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's just, you, you put wins in the bank and it, it, everyone has to play the same teams. Uh, you, you win the games that you should and, and, and scratch out a few others and, and you're gonna, you're gonna be okay. There are enough teams in the league that aren't exactly playing for this year that you have to take advantage of, of those games when they come. Wrapping up our conversation here with James Yasko of the Lima Time Time podcast and contributor of the Houston Chronicle. Two best teams right now in the American League are the Strohs and the Yankees, and it's not even close, right? I'd agree with that, yep. That being said, do you think that's still going to be the case, barring injuries, when we get towards the end of the regular season? I think so. <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's always kind of fun to look and say like, okay, when, when are the teams that are for real, you know, if they're not for real, at what point during the season are they sort of exposed? Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, the, the Seattle Mariners are the perennial April AL West champs. 
but but tend to sort of tail off a little bit. I think by the time that you get past Memorial Day, if you're if you're leading the division, then 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 you're a pretty good team. And every division, you know, I, I, it, and I, I would need to look at the breakdown of who the Yankees have played. And, and let's let's not you know, kid ourselves that, that one of the benefits for the Astros is playing in the same division as the A's and the Rangers right now. Uh, you know, the Yankees get, you know, get to play the Orioles a whole bunch of times, but, but everyone else in that division is really, you know, they're, they're going for it. you got the Blue Jays, um, you know, the, the Rays are, have, have been pretty, you know, legit in the last few years, but um, I, the, the Yankees are, if they really have figured it out and if Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton can really stay healthy, then that's, that's going to be, that would be one heck of an ALCS uh, between the Astros and Yankees should it come to it. So, so there's, it's not, uh, there's not really a whole lot of rollover, you know, teams once you get to the, once you get to October and, and we've, you know, you, you never know, you know, you can have a team like the Braves that weren't even 500 in at the all-star break that they get hot at the right time. So, uh, that's why that's why baseball is is beautiful, but is also a a, a faithless whore, uh, and and should not be trusted under any circumstance. James, appreciate your time as always, brother. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. Looking forward to a lot of Brendan Aronson to Leeds United talk uh, in the wake of, of his goal at the uh, in, in that friendly against Morocco. Uh, of course, we, we we ran out of time, but I'm so sorry. So Unlucky. Sorry. Yeah, next week. Next week. Next week. <laughs> It's James Yasko, co-host of the Leave Time Time podcast and a contributor for the Houston Chronicle, joining us here talking all things Astros. Like, like I've said it, right now it appears we're on a collision course for the Yankees-Astros ALCS. But there's still a lot of baseball to be played. But those two teams have definitely, as we're here in the month of June, have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Will that stay? Will they both be able to stay healthy enough to keep that going? Who knows? We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious Gulf seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. That's right. It's easy. It's simple. Just go to the website, click on the clubhouse rewards tab, and you can sign up today. It, look, just by signing up, you're going to get 500 points. 500 points by just signing up. It's that easy. Once you earn points, you can use those points as your currency to win free stuff like that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. Let's talk a little bit more about those New Orleans Saints. OTAs, 
right now going on for the black and gold. We heard a lot from Jarvis Landry, the former LSU Tiger and Louisiana native who is back in the fold, decided to come home and play for the Saints. Let's talk about some of the young DBs. Paulson Adebo, man, he made a nice impact. Had a bit of an up-and-down season as a rookie corner for the Saints last year, but he definitely showed a ton of promise last year. And now he gets to play in the same defensive backfield with the Honey Badger. That's right, Tyron Matthew. And Adebo talked about how excited he is and what Tyron Matthew, the Super Bowl champion and All-Pro, brings to that secondary. Yeah, I mean, that's somebody I used to watch his highlights when I was in high school. So that's, you know, just to be on the same team with him, that's obviously, you know, so great. And he has a uh, such a depth of knowledge that he can bring to us and he can teach us. I mean, he's arguably like all decades safety. So having him to be able to ask him questions about some of the guys that he's played with, other top corners and what things they did well and, you know, what he's seen that works over his time in the league, uh, it's been great. We talked about, you know, Jarvis and how he's going to take the younger guys under his wings coming in there. Tyron Matthews is already doing the same thing on the defensive side of the football. And I'm not stunned by that because Alante Taylor, the versatile corner safety that they drafted out of Tennessee, he said basically the same thing on how much Matthew has already begun helping him and he just started his career. Yeah, uh, you know, you go into the DB room, uh, you know, you see guys like Tyron Matthews, uh, Chauncey Gardner, guys like that. Uh, and you just kind of like, wow, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent in here, a lot of experience in here. And being a young buck um, in a really good secondary, I know I like to ask a lot of questions. And so uh, just having that feeling and knowing, like, you know, they're going to help me. Um, I think that's the first thing I realized from the jump from Tyron. Uh, you know, being a corner him playing safety, he comes to me, talks to me all the time. And, you know, being a young buck and having that type of uh, guy in my ear, um, I really appreciate. So I'm just looking forward to it every single day. Not only is he being helped and being mentored by Tyron Matthew, the Saints rookie defensive back, you know, he's also been working with Paulson Adebo. Once again, it's just kind of that brotherhood that they're building there, especially in the secondary. And he talked about what that's been like working with Paulson. You know, I seen him one day, uh, we had workouts, um, and then afterwards he was out there on the field, and I'm like, Okay, and so always I was always been that kid who always does extra work, and I seen him doing, it and I was like, okay, well that's somebody that does the same thing that I do. And I went up there to him, and I uh, just asked him like, hey, you mind if I join in? He was like, of course. And so we just work on small detail stuff. We work on press man all the time, and we do it every day after practice, and we do it before practice as well. Uh, guy was going into his second year, but he's taking me under his wing as well. Um, I kind of look at him like a big brother to me right now. So, these guys, I mean, Paulson Adebo is only in year number two. And he's already doing the mentor thing for the younger guys. And they got Honey Badger there now, too. Really like what they're doing there in the secondary. You know, they have a versatile guy now in Taylor who, uh, if I'm my research is correct, played quarterback in high school and then was recruited to be a wide receiver. And then they made him into defensive back at Tennessee. And he played both corner and safety. So this is a guy that could do a lot of different things for you. That's why they took him. Once again, remember the front office mantra, versatility. That's what's important to Mickey Loomis and their staff. They love having guys that can do multiple things, and Alante can do that. And right now, the biggest thing for him is just getting acclimated to what the Saints do and what, in particular, the Saints expect from their DBs. 
You know, it's just really just understanding the playbook, understanding technique, details. You know, biggest thing I've been doing is just kind of going in there, watching my technique every day. Coaches have kind of been talking to me about that. And playbook's kind of new, easy for me to understand and learn, though. So just grasping those small things. Debo is also somebody that is still acumenting. Remember, Paulson, part of his up-and-down season a year ago was that he didn't play the previous year because of COVID. He played at Stanford. So he sat out, essentially, he sat out an entire season. So a lot of that was not only getting adjusted to the National Football League, but it was also shaking off the rust for not playing in nearly two years. And Adebo says, you know, that there's a lot that he's been working on. There's a lot that he's been trying to improve on this offseason. Definitely just knowing more as far as the defense, um, knowing a little bit more than just my job last year, coming in as a rookie. I'm more locked into what do I need to do and kind of everybody else is on their own. Now, having had the experience, I can, it allows me to kind of help other people a little bit and help them get lined up if I can, but that's probably the biggest area, I'd say. If you're a Saints fan, you got to be excited. I'm just saying, you got to be excited because they have so much depth. And I, I had a discussion with someone the other day, and they're like, well, look, you lost Marcus Williams. He was the one high safety. Yeah, he's your typical single high safety. They don't have a typical single high safety on the roster right now. But they have all these guys that are very versatile. I think you're going to see some tweaks and some different things from the Saints defense, in particular on the back end, with the personnel they now have on the roster. And do, do not be surprised at all if this is a top five defense this year overall. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's about the Saints. It's about the new Saints. Lots of buzz about all the guys, the new guys wearing the black and gold. And our poll question of the day is, which new Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up? Right now, 42% of you, of course, say Tyron Matthew. 26% of you say rookie wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. 21% of you say former LSU Tiger Jarvis Landry. And 11% of you say Trevor Penny. John Paul Cajun Daddy says the Honey Badger can't wait to see him on the defense with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson during the season. RP, you got, you got to get this poll out before I leave to go to work, bud. I <laughs> uh, got to get my comments in. Good morning. Not not a problem, brother. We're going to get that out a little bit earlier for you next time, my man. JPK, the OD, says, Trevor Penning, I'm going to go ahead and nickname him Tsunami. Hashtag anti-pond water. <laughs> Brad on Twitter says, I'm excited about the rookies, but Juice and Honey Badger coming home to play for the Saints is just special. Can't wait to see the Louisiana natives and former Tigers suit up for the black and gold. Who dat? Hart on Twitter says, Jarvis, he's had a relationship, mentorship with Michael Thomas since he was back in high school. I really believe him being on the team is going to push everyone to be the best versions of themselves. The Saints not only got a steal for him as a receiver, but more what's but more what's brought to the locker room now. Woody Kane says, DeMarco Jackson. Hey, I'm going to say this about Woody's comment. I keep hearing... DeMarco could be a guy that could be making far more plays and just not on special teams that Saints fans are maybe not really anticipating. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Don't be surprised if you're hearing DeMarco Jackson's name mentioned a lot this season. 
We'll talk more about the Saints when John J. Hendricks joins us today for the Big Easy Blitz. That's coming up in about an hour from right now. But coming up next, right on deck, William Weathers, our friend, the associate editor of Tiger Rag, will join us to help us preview LSU baseball at the Hattiesburg Regional. That'll be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU Tigers going to take on Kennesaw State in the first game there at the Hattiesburg Regional, or the first game for LSU, rather. Six o'clock first pitch tonight. Pre-game will begin at 5.30. You can listen to LSU baseball live right here on the game. You're home for LSU athletics in southwest Louisiana. But what do we make of Jay Johnson's team? It's been an up-and-down season, to say the least. Wildly inconsistent from one week to the next, sometimes in the matter of the same weekend. Can LSU go into Hattiesburg and win that regional and punch their ticket to the Supers? To break it all down and to give his thoughts is our next guest. He's the associate editor of Tiger Rag, the Bible of LSU sports. It's my old friend, the one and only Mr. William Weathers. William, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine, doing fine. Thank you. All right, bud. What's your confidence level in LSU just overall heading into this NCAA regional in Hattiesburg today? I think it's extremely high. Um, first of all, you know, they're back to offensively, they'll be back to 100%. And, and you take away the two bats that they did not have during the conference tournament with uh, Jacob Berry and Kate Doty back, I think makes a huge difference. Uh, to the team psyche. So let's just start offensively. And then I think uh, their level, their, um, you know, 30, well, 33 games of SEC uh, competition, you know, 30 games in the regular season in the three in the conference tournament. And I think they've, they've are battle tested and just going in again at a hundred percent health offensively. Now, as you mentioned, it's, it's been uh, a roller coaster at times and how will they pitch? How will they defend? remains to be seen were you surprised William that they didn't get to host a regional or did you think hey they lost to a bad Kentucky team that probably does them in yeah I mean I, I think even you know a lot of people put stock in in, in the sweep at, at Vanderbilt but you know they did get swept at home by Ole Miss and, and Ole Miss was you know kind of struggling or trying to find itself at that time so they went from one one extreme to the other, where they got swept at home to, to sweeping in Nashville. But no, not ultimately. I think they did not do enough in in Hoover, meaning probably that 
I guess the Kentucky game was not the singular thing, but it did not help. William, does this team have enough pitching to actually win a regional? I don't think they have enough starting pitching, uh, but the way uh, Jay Johnson is mixed and matched, uh, as, as you know, we've seen some interesting combinations this year where, where he's matched up with one batter. Uh, but I, I think they, they've got enough arms how they will, you know, if it's three or four innings, I don't know how he's going to try to break it up. Someone, if it's if it's if it's Mikhail here you today or, or or whatever you know, someone's got they got they've got to get something out of their starters. But I don't think they have enough of them. They're just it's just going to be kind of by committee. You know they they've mixed and matched and you run a lot of arms out there this year. So what's going to be the game plan then? Obviously Hilliard will more than likely go today. Is that what we're anticipating? You know, we talked about this on the show Tuesday night. Jay Johnson, just you know, based on his his pattern this year, wants to win the next game. And in that matter, I don't think he goes with anybody but Mikhail you today. I don't think we're thinking, oh, you know, Saturday's matchup against Southern Miss. You know, I don't I don't think he thinks in those terms. So yes, I, that's my anticipation. We're talking with William Weathers, the associate editor of Tiger Rag, the Bible of LSU Sports. He joins us here as we preview the Hattiesburg Regional. So you think they have the bullpen, which is which is enough there, and you have Hilliard. So who do you trust out of the pen more than anyone else to be able to eat up innings? Because you're going to have to piece this together, right? You're going to have to use some of these games, three, four different guys. Who do you believe Jay Johnson and his staff trust the most to be able to do that this weekend? Well, he, I don't. He's done a good job of, of of a lot of guys, but you know, I mean, just for example, I mean, Trent Ventmeyer uh, is it came out and gave him some excellent innings in, in the conference tournament. He'd be you know the, the the most recent example of that. But you could see, yeah, you know, I think he gave me Riley Cooper, Bryce Collins, Eric, you know. He did not pitch great in the conference tournament, but Eric Razelman's had moments this season. Um, so I think that's that's a handful of them as far as the middle part and in, in, in the bridge part to the end to get to people. Of course, in Fontenot did not have a great outing last time, but he, he is a you know a fifth year senior, so he's a, he's experienced, he's been in these moments before. Uh, and then after that, you know, obviously closing, you know, Paul Gervais has, has, has been you know pretty good along with Razelman, so. I, I, they have a, again a lot of lot of people who can get you through the middle, or meaning or, or the back end of the game, and then they get to uh, to finish it up. I, I'm assuming you know people like Ty Floyd stay in a starter's role uh, for whatever game that may be. This is going to be the first meeting between LSU and Kinsall State, uh, who comes out of the Atlantic Sun. But what can you tell us about the opposition today to start off the regional for the Tigers? Well, they, um, you know, I looked at RPIs and, and strength of scheduling, and, and you kind of automatically think, you know, oh man, this is not really even a mid-major. I mean, they're they're it's a it's a you know Atlantic Sun team, but you know their RPIs is forty six, and uh, strength of schedule is twenty nine. That's good. Which is you know, yeah. so you know they they're they're they've played some people. You know they they've tested themselves along the way. Um, and they have a, obviously a unique format in their conference tournament where where they they lost their first two games in the tournament and then turn around and won the next three. Um, 
so you know you see some some uh, some 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 grit and some resilience there. They have a ter- terrific uh, leadoff hitter. Uh, Jason Hatcher was the MVP of the conference tournament, and uh, he's, he's their leadoff hitter. So you know, here's a guy who can really kind of maybe they're equivalent to Dylan Cruz, who, who can set the tone uh, if you're if you're not careful. He's got uh, uh, 13 homers and uh, 55 um, uh, RBIs and 11 stolen bases. So he's a very versatile player. Uh, looking at their numbers, this is a game. You know, they have a team ERA over six. So you would think. Well, the team ERA of six uh, in the Atlantic Sun that LSU should be able to score with them. Now, can LSU <laughs> defend and, and pitch to them? So, I, I think it's a it's a it's a good matchup. So, you like them to win their opener, and then you would assume that they would face Southern Miss on Saturday in the winners' portion of the bracket. Uh, William, when I look at the Golden Eagles, I see a team that took two or three from Louisiana Tech in the Raging Cajuns. Both of those teams are in regionals. This is a team that also beat Ole Miss, which is in a regional. They beat defending national champs, Mississippi State. But they also had some stumbles there in their conference tournament. So what do you make of just how formidable an opponent is Southern Miss? Well, they're 22-10 and 10 at home. So it tells me that they're really they're, they're, they're difficult to play uh, at their place. And uh, – it looks like it's going to be. I mean, they're already talking about. Or it's already sold out. Whether that's because of the influx of LSU people, I'm not sure. But I think there's a lot of interest, and um, this this is a, again, statistically a pitch first, the offensive second pitch type team. Uh, Tanner Tanner Hall, who who we know very well here in this area, is from Zachary, uh, is their starter, and he's uh, he's been listed the starter against Army tonight uh, today. So I'm not sure, but they had tremendous pitching depth. I mean, he's one of three uh, guys, and they have a team ERA right at right at three. So it's going to be a team that that's going to you're going to have to win. I think a low scoring, competitive, very a very competitive game. All right, William. When it's all said and done, if you and I are talking on Monday morning, is the regional been decided, and who's won it? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of I think LSU's got some momentum in the sense that they're back to health. When you saw them score, I think it was 42 runs at Vanderbilt. That's I think uh, you know we've looking all year for like when they could get on a run. You know, you you see like okay, they go went two at Florida. You you know, sweep maybe not so good a team at Mississippi State. I think they get back to the team closer than one at Vanderbilt, and they can play at that level where they you know. Pitching really wasn't as key an element there because they scored so much. I think they they, they, they can uh, and then rely on where they've been. You know, they've tested. They played in a in a, in a, in a, a superior conference. I think that they, they that they can um, they can win it. They can be they'll be standing at the end. My man Williams says, "Put money on the Tigers." It's done deal. Done deal. All right, William. Let me ask you this one more before I let you go, bud. Mm-hmm. I'm confident, just like you are, that LSU should be able to win this regional. What's the one X factor, the one thing, if you had to point to, that could derail their weekend in Hattiesburg? If there was one thing, what is it? Oh, I would say defense. Their defense. You know, they've just they've just been so so spotty at times, and um, I uh, I don't know. You know, I don't have any any type of uh, metrics. Where they are on on this is an artificial turf field, so 
So I'm not sure if this if this just favors or, or hinders them anymore. But I, I, I've, you know, statistically speaking, they they have not defended well consistently enough. So I would say def, I would say their defense. You know, can 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 they score enough to to offset that if they have some hiccups along the way? Doty coming back, and some people have you know. Uh, certain ways they feel about the middle of LSU's defense, but he he's a big part of, of what they do, and I think uh, takes pressure off of, uh, off of Jordan Thompson. So I'm, I'm I would say defensively, I would have I, my would be my kind of red flag. William, appreciate your time as always, brother. Tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where to go to read all your great work, my friend. Uh, uh, Will Weathers uh, on Twitter. And uh, Tiger uh, www.tigerrag, that's two R's, dot com. William, appreciate your time as always, bud. Enjoy your weekend, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. That's William Weathers, associate editor of Tiger Rag, joining us here, previewing LSU in the regional. He likes them against Kinsall State, and he likes them against Southern Miss. He thinks those bats are going to wake up going to be more like what we all saw and heard when they took on Vanderbilt. And he says the relief pitching is going to help them, but the big concern would be the team's defense, which has been, let's be honest, spotty all season long. Once again, LSU versus Kansas State will be right here on the game this evening. Pre-game is going to begin at 5.30. First pitch, 6 o'clock from Hattiesburg, and you can listen to it live right here on the game we got to take a timeout wrap up our number two update the poll question of the day that's all coming up next right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles your home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana oh it's the game's birthday yeah it's our birthday coming up well okay I'll stop with the singing. But it is our birthday coming up. And you're invited to the party that we're going to be throwing. That's right. Come party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from all your favorite personalities at 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. That includes producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, Kevin Foote, Jordy Holberg, even yours truly. And Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live. That's right. Both of them on site there at B-Dubs. It's going to be a great time. So come celebrate us, celebrate with us as we turn 10 years old. Oh, Big time. We're the big time now. Come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June the 22nd, starting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon until about 9 or maybe even later. Watch out now. The game's 10th birthday bash. Let's check in on all the uh, poll question of the day. We asked you, which new Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up this year? Lots of new faces. Many of them are already at OTAs. But which new Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up this year? 43% of you say Tyron Matthew, but 32% say Chris Olave. 
That's getting a little bit closer and closer percentage-wise. 14% of you say Jarvis Landry, and 11% of you say Trevor Penny, the big offensive lineman, the big fella out of northern Iowa. I don't know if he's going to start the season. I really don't. I don't know if he's going to start the season, but I feel like they're going to bring him along and he's going to overtake that job. I, look, I like Hurst. He's a versatile guy, and he's a good little spot starter, but you don't take the big fella from northern Iowa in the first round to have him ride the pine. You just don't. He's going to get some playing time for for certain, and I think they're going to be set for a long time. Over on Facebook, Robert Duplashan says, every one of them, this should be an exciting year. Robert's ready for the season. He's ready. He's excited. He's happy. He's ready to go. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll update it throughout the final hour of today's show. Coming up in a half hour, we're going to talk more New Orleans Saints with John J. Hendricks of SI. Now he'll join us. Also coming up, cashing tickets with Nick Fondo. That'll be coming up as well. NCAA regional bets. This is going to do it for hour number two. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, final hour has arrived of today's show and of the week, but don't worry. We're going to finish strong. John J. Hendricks from SI Now, Saints reporter, will be joining us giving his thoughts on what he's been seeing this week out at OTAs for the black and gold. And also get his thoughts on our poll question of the day. Which new Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up this season? That's all coming up in about a half hour from right now. In about 20 minutes from right now, Nick Fondo will join us for our weekly sports betting segment, Cashing Tickets. He's going to tell you how you should bet the NCAA regionals this weekend in the NBA Finals, especially now that we have Game 1 in the books. And it was a bit of a surprise last night, right? Boston takes Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Not that they won the game, but the matter in which they did. They put on a sensational fourth-quarter performance. Part of that has to be attributed to Golden State, you know, just kind of just, I don't know, folding. They just didn't rise to the occasion. Steph Curry dropped 34 points to lead the Warriors, but he didn't get a lot of help. Jordan Poole, not really a factor off the bench. Klay Thompson only scored 15 points. Draymond Green, you're not going to get anything typically out of him offensively anyway, but you got to get more than four points. It can't just be Steph because Boston has very good depth as well. And they showed it last night. Al Horford, Derek White and Marcus Smart combined, combined 
for 65 points. That's unheard of. That's unreal. No one had that anticipated. There was no sports betting lines out in the desert in Vegas that suggested that that was even an option. But when Tatum was struggling, and he did so offensively last night, their best player, guy couldn't buy a bucket, they figured out other ways. And Tatum adjusted his game, particularly in the second half, by finding those other guys. That's why he ended up with 13 assists on the night. And it was the younger team, it was the young Bucks that got quality minutes and got quality production out of some of their guys off the bench, and it was not Golden State. So the team with the first-year head coach and the young roster, with the majority of it never even having played in an NBA Finals, was the better team down the stretch, was the better team in the fourth quarter, on the road nonetheless, and took game one from a team where its coach and its three core players have won three NBA championships together and are making their sixth NBA Finals appearance together as a group. The goal is always to steal a game. You always want to steal a game. But now Boston has put itself in a position to go up two games to none on the Warriors. Now, do I expect Golden State to bounce back in a big way come Sunday? Absolutely. Would I expect Golden State to win game two on Sunday night? Once again, absolutely. But Boston did show everyone that they're not going to be intimidated by Golden State, that the experience does not matter to them, and that they have just as much depth as the Warriors do, and that they can go toe-to-toe. They beat them by 12. Is this going to be the type of game that wakes up Golden State where they go, huh? Now remember, they had a game like this, a few of them, in the Western Conference semifinals against Memphis. John Morant wasn't even playing in some of those games, and they got bullied a little bit by Memphis. Now they bounced back and won the series in six, but... This is not the Golden State team that started off that dynasty run, even before they got Kevin Durant. They're not that good. They're not that good. They're good. You still have Steph. You still have Clay. You still have Draymond. And you got Steve Kerr, a coach. But they're not what they were five years ago. So maybe this is going to be a way for them to refocus, reset themselves. Hey, Boston's for real. Yeah, just because they played back-to-back seven-game series doesn't mean anything. We're going to have to bring our best. Multiple guys are going to have to step up. Let's get back to work. I would expect a far more workmanlike performance come Sunday, if I had to guess. Houston Astros, meanwhile, did not play last night. It was a travel day for them. They're on their road trip. They're going to wrap up their nine-game road trip with a stop over in Kansas City to take on the Royals for a three-game set that starts tonight. You can listen to all three games of this series on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. Because, obviously, we have NCAA regional games with LSU on our station right here on the game. The Strohs didn't even do anything yesterday besides travel 
rest up, and they increase their lead in the American League West. The Angels are fading already. We, we jokingly talk about the Mariners doing that. And Seattle is just a young team that's not really ran very well right now. That's part of it. When your front office isn't doing their job, the team typically isn't able to do theirs. That's typically how that works. But the Angels had so much hoopla, so much hype. Trout, Otani, they're healthy, and they had a great start to the season. Yet here we are, June the 3rd, and the Angels are already six and a half games behind the Astros. And the Astros started off the first 15, 16 games of the season as a 500 ball club. So the Astros not only have caught the Angels in the last month, the Angels on top of it are continuing to slide. Six and a half games back of the shows. Once again, long season. It's 162 games. There's going to be peaks and valleys for this season. The Astros are going to have some off days. They're going to have some off weeks. Just letting you know, this is how that works. That being said, it does appear to be that the Astros and the Yankees are right now the clear-cut best teams in the American League. It's them and then everybody else. Now, you worry about the health of the Yankees? Can Stan and Judge stay healthy? I don't know. I do not have faith in that. I really don't. And do the Yankees have enough pitching? That would be my other question mark. But right now, they're playing lights out. Absolutely lights out. Both teams are. They're your two best teams by far in the American League. And it sure does feel like we are on a collision course to seeing the Yankees and Shroes in the American League Championship Series. Once again, with the caveat, if everyone stays healthy. That's the big, you know, the big... The big disclaimer, if you will, there. Once again, Stroh's going to be on the sister station, News Talk 98.5, tonight as they open up their three-game set at Kansas City to wrap up their nine-game road trip. While the finals are going on this weekend and the Astros are taking on the Kansas City Royals, we got NCAA regionals left and right. Four teams from the state of Louisiana punched their ticket to an NCAA regional. Southeastern Louisiana is over in Auburn. They're the four seed. They're there after winning the Southland Conference Tournament and taking two of three from McNeese in the championship series last weekend. Lions, even though I feel like the Auburn Regional is somewhat up for grabs, I don't know if Southeastern has enough in the tank or has enough talent to win it, even though Preston Faulkner is a special player. Louisiana Tech is over in the Austin Regional. They're the two seed. I like their chances. This is not a vintage Longhorns baseball team. Not this year. They're very vulnerable and they're very inconsistent. But they are at home. But you would expect Texas to be able to win that regional. But Louisiana Tech is really good. They are. They beat LSU this year. They beat some other teams. And that Louisiana Tech squad, and we talked about it earlier this week when Teddy Allen joined us, our friend from North Louisiana, 
you know, this group of guys for the Bulldogs lived through the tornado that destroyed their field and disrupted their lives and caused so much damage to that part of the state. They lived being vagabonds for a year. They lived through, they were there being the first team ever in Louisiana Tech history to host a regional. That's a lot of valuable experience, team chemistry, and that's a team that likes to grind out wins. Don't be surprised if you see Louisiana Tech win that regional this weekend. Closer to home, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are over in College Station playing in that regional, hosted by Texas A&M. They're your national seed. Great turnaround for Texas A&M. They went from being a team that didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament a year ago to now hosting a regional. Coaching matters. The former TCU coach is now their skipper. They're your host, but Matt Deggs' team, who's making a regional appearance for the first time since 2016, after winning the Sunbelt Conference tournament last week, man, they got their hands full. It's going to be a tough go of it for the Cajuns. They got to take on TCU, Texas Christian University, the Horn Frogs, or the two seed in that regional. They're your regular season champ for the Big 12 this season. They have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're a very well-run program. Can't wait to see what happens between TCU and Texas A&M. That's a sidebar because TCU has ended A&M season multiple times in the last 10 years, twice in Super Regionals, once at the College World Series. But that's who the Cajuns have to play today. 7 o'clock, first pitch from College Station. Raging Cajuns taking on the Horn Frogs. So it's going to be a tough go of it, and we haven't even really spoke about Oral Roberts they're your four seed, and if you talk to the coaches and you listen to Deggs and you listen to the other coaches in this regional, they're not sleeping on Oral Roberts. That should be a good small-time program as the four seed. LSU, meanwhile, seems to have the easiest path to advancing to the Super Regional round. They're in the Hattiesburg Regional. Hosted, of course, by Southern Miss, the Golden Eagles. Now, Southern Miss had a very good season. They took two or three from Tech. They took two or three from the Raging Cajuns. They beat Ole Miss. All three of those teams are in regionals. They also beat Alabama. They also beat Mississippi State. And they're very good at home, as William Weathers from Tiger Rag told us in the last hour. They're very good at home. But they did drop two of their four games at the Conference USA Tournament, which they hosted. Are they vulnerable there? And for LSU, do they have enough pitching to win the regional? Are they set there? You got Hilliard. You know he's going to give you greatness. You know he's going to be able to step up and give you a strong outing. And we know he'll pitch today. More than likely, he'll pitch today. Jay Johnson just focuses in on what's at stake. You have to win your next game. So he's going to throw Hilliard. They're not going to try to save him for Southern Miss, a matchup with Southern Miss on Saturday, nothing like that. It's going to be 
let's throw our guy, let's go ahead against Kinsall State today and get that W. And they can rake. We know that. They can bat. They can hit the heck out of the ball, right? And they're getting Jacob Berry and Kay Doty back. Remember, they kept them out on purpose for the SEC tournament. For the sole purpose of making sure they were as healthy as possible for an NCAA regional. The level of competition in Hattiesburg is not great. This should be a regional on a silver platter for LSU. And I expect them to win this regional. And I expect them to move on to the Supers. But I also expected them not to get swept at home by Ole Miss. And I expected them not to struggle for most of the season, up and down inconsistent. Are you going to get the LSU team that played Ole Miss? Are you going to get the LSU team that was eliminated by Kentucky, a bad Kentucky team at the SEC tournament in Hoover? Or are you going to get the Tiger team that you saw crush the faces of Vanderbilt at Vandy? That's what it is. That's the big question mark. I still like their chances. I still think they're going to win. But are they going to play consistent baseball? And is their defense not going to be dreadful? Because their defense has its moments where it's been really bad and they've lost games they should have won. So lots of intriguing Storylines going on this weekend, NBA Finals, Houston Astros wrapping up their road trip, and multiple NCAA regionals to keep an eye on, not to mention NHL playoffs, the Women's College World Series, which started yesterday. All the Pac-12 and Big Ten schools all lost. It's just, they all lost yesterday. They all just lined up and lost. They're there the first day there in Oklahoma City. So, lots and lots to get to. It's going to be another tremendous weekend. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Nick Fondo will be joining us. It'll be time for cash and tickets. He's going to give you how to bet these NCAA regional games and NBA finals. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Tired of having your pockets emptied out due to bad sports bets? 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Listen up, because it's time to take down some notes and get paid with advice from semi-pro gambler Nick Fontenot. I get so nervous when I gamble. I'm so silly. Here is Cashing Tickets on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station, simulcast on Stadium 32.3. Good morning, brother. How are you? How is your wallet doing on this glorious Friday morning? Well, you remember last week I told you I hadn't uh, I hadn't won a bet in about two weeks. Um, let's make that three weeks. Oh, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely impossible to be this cold. Like you can't even try to be this cold. Unbelievable. That, look, you can take solace that you are winning at losing. How about that, bud? Does that make you feel any better? Yeah, I'm the best loser there is. 
<laughs> okay, but we got NCAA regionals. When I think of things to bet on, they th- these do not spring to mind, but I know there is money to be had. I know there's bets to be made. So just break it down for us a little bit. How do you attack NCAA regionals? How do you bet them? Yeah, this is completely new, betting on college baseball. It, it, it was, it's, it's not a, a game that we can bet on during the regular season. There's not a whole lot of lines that you can find. You really have to dig deep to find lines during the regular season. But once the tournament starts, you can pretty much find them regularly at, at all, the, all the different sports books. So there's some, there's some value bets out there. Uh, the, the main one that I like for, for good value is LSU to win it all at plus 1450. Now, 1450 is hefty, and I think that you would be foolish to not pick Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's plus 230. There's value there as well, plus 230 to win it all. And Tennessee's that team that's just they're dominant. They are the pick. They should win it all. If they don't win it all, something crazy happens. But if you're looking for some value down there, the fourth favorite in the entire tournament is LSU at plus 1450. So there's value to be had all across the tournament if you look at the lines. I even think plus 230 at Tennessee is a really good bet because – it's going to be tough for teams to beat Tennessee. They're that good. <clears throat> but I would just point out, the last time the number one overall seed for the NCAA tournament for baseball won the actual College World Series title was 1999. So wow. I'm just saying, I'm giving you a little tidbit of information, my friend. Just saying, I like Tennessee. They have been dominant. They've been the best team all season long. But that gives me a little pause when it's been more than 20 years that the number one overall seed has actually won the national championship. That just gives me a little pause there about the the volunteers. I don't remember a team being this favored, like this dominant, this this unbeatable pretty much. I mean, I know teams have beat them, and they're not undefeated. But they're plus 230. The second favorite in the entire tournament is Stanford at plus 700. So that big of a gap yeah, that's a huge tells gap. you how much – how much of a favorite they were. Usually, if you had a favorite at like plus 230, the second favorite would be somewhere around maybe plus 350 or plus 400. You're looking at plus 700 for Stanford, plus 850 for Oregon State, and then LSU slides in at number four at plus 1450. So I, I like Tennessee. I think, that, I think they are that good. I think they're going to bust through and be that first number one seed to win since 99. But like I said, there's value all down that list. Let's stay in the Hattiesburg Regional. You like LSU despite the pitching problems and the defensive problems. You like them to win that regional and move on to the Supers, right? That's how you're betting that? Yeah, I do. And they're also the favorite, which is odd. They're the only favorite on the board that's not hosting. They're minus 112 to win the regional. Southern Miss is a plus 130. So it's not that big of a favorite. But the fact that they are the favorite and not hosting kind of tells you a lot about them. And they're the, they're the fourth favorite to win the entire tournament. So I think some things happen with their early season woes. Their pitching is, is just not there. I honestly don't think they're going to win the tournament or anything. But I do think they they match up well with these teams. I don't know much about Army or Kennesaw State. I, have, I know a little bit about Southern Miss. And I think LSU is better than all those teams. So minus 112, not a whole lot of money to be made there if you like LSU in the Hattiesburg Regional. But – I do think they are going to win the regional, and it's just odd that they're the favorite and not host. All right, let's go over to the Auburn regional, which I think is a little wide open because uh, I don't have that much confidence in Auburn itself, and I like the teams in there. Southeastern Louisiana is in that regional. I don't like their chances all that much, Nick. Do you agree with me about the Lions and not being able to make it out of that regional? And who do you like to win that regional? 
Yeah, we're lockstep all the way on that regional. I think it's wide open. Auburn is the favorite at plus 150, but the but the other two teams, UCLA and Florida State, they're plus 215. So that is not a big gap there. That That's just about uh, an even money coin flip. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana, plus 1550. There's a lot of money to be made if you like them to win it all, but I don't really see them getting it done. One of those three teams, one of those top three teams, I think is going to win it. And I actually like UCLA, and they – they have to travel a long distance to get to Auburn, but I think they they have they have enough pitching to get it done. Auburn is a good team. I'm not I'm not discounting them, but I don't think I don't think that they're as good as, as UCLA. So Florida State's good, but um, I'm actually liking UCLA to win this uh, regional. Let's so let's head over to Austin, and I've said this all week. I really like Louisiana Tech's chances in this regional. This is not a vintage Texas team to me, watching them play a little bit this year. They're not the you know perennial powerhouse that we remember growing up. It's just not where they're at right now. In Tech, they're a bunch of grinders, right? They grind out victories. What do you like going on? What kind of action do you like there for the Austin regional? Well, I, I, Ray, I know you don't bet as much as I do, but I mean, this might be an opportunity for you to make some money if you, if you really like Louisiana Tech. They're plus three twenty. They're the second favorite in, in the in the bracket, and we know Dallas Baptist is also one of those teams that they're they're perennially in the tournament. They're a tough team. They're a tough out. Uh, Texas minus one thirty favorite. I think Texas is going to get it done, but I think a lot of people feel like you. A lot of people like the way Louisiana Tech plays. They are a grinding team. They are. They do have enough pitching to get it done, and there's a lot of value at plus 320. So if you really feel like Louisiana Tech can win this regional, and it's not out of the realm of possibility to do so, I think there's value there with Louisiana Tech at plus 320. Let's head over to College Station. Brutal draw for the Cajuns. They win the conference tournament. It's great. They get to a regional for the first time since 2016, Nick. But Texas A&M is your host, and you got salty as ever, TCU as the two-seed the regular season champion out of the Big 12. Who do you like to win at that regional? What are the kind of the betting lines there? How do you bet? I think it's A&M. I, I, think, they're, I think they are among the best teams in the country. I think they're going to get it done. But I know there's a lot of Cajuns fans listening right now, and there's a lot of Cajuns fans that want to bet this. And at plus 550, they're the third favorite TCU at plus 195. Look, if you think UL is going to win this, win this regional, Plus five fifty. There's a lot of money to be made. You know, bet a hundred bucks and, and win five fifty. So bet on the Cajuns if you want to bet with your heart. But I, I just think A and M's too good. I think A and M's going to come out of this regional easily. So you like A and M over TCU? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I, honestly, I don't know much about TCU. I, I, I know that they're plus one ninety five, and I know that they're a good team and, and they deserve to be here. But I, I watched Texas A and M uh, a few games with those guys, and they they hit the ball very well. They have good pitching. They're the favorite. They're the host. I just think they're going to get it done. There is saltiness between the two programs. The coach at A&M was the coach at TCU just a year ago. So you got that kind of storyline. And TCU eliminated Texas A&M in two Super Regionals in the past decade and in the College World Series. So it's going to be a little chippy. Uh, between the Horn Frogs and the Aggies. Good old Texas showdown there. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this quickly. We saw what happened last night in game one of the NBA Finals. Boston, they had better depth. They shot 21 three-pointers, which seems ridiculous to me. And they got, you know, Derek White and Al Horford and Marcus Smart combining for 65 points, which I don't think is going to happen every game. Does that change your perception of 
the NBA Finals and how you're betting it? So I personally, I liked the Celtics in seven. I thought they were going to win the series, but the betting public did not. They had the Warriors at the beginning of the series at minus 200 and the Celtics at plus 130. Now, after one game, that is completely turned around. The Celtics are now minus 175, and the Warriors are plus 140. So, look, I know a lot of people are picking the Warriors. Most people, actually, are picking the Warriors. So, they have value with the Warriors right now. Get them right now at plus 140 if you like the Warriors. I mean, I think they I think they have that, you know, that championship pedigree. I think a lot of people were thinking they were going to run away with it. This is just one game. But for the odds to flip that much after just one game, I think that might be, that might be telling that the Celtics are actually going to get it done. There is – and also – one thing I wanted to mention, the MVP uh, uh, betting lines, Al Horford plus 1,200. Now, look, I don't think he's going to have a game like he had last game, uh, every game. But plus 1,200 on the MVP line for Al Horford, if he even has one more decently good game, he might be a, one of those sleeper picks like a Andre Iguodala was a few years ago to win the MVP. So there's a lot of value right there at Al Horford plus 1,200 to win the MVP. Nick? Appreciate you, Tom. As always, brother, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next Friday, bud. All right, Ray. Thanks, man. Fondo with the picks. How to bet those NCAA regionals. LSU, the fourth best betting favorite to win it all. That's interesting to me. But that's what the books are saying. That's what Vegas is saying. Got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, John J. Hendricks will join us. Our buddy from SI Now going to talk saints otas what stood out so far and what does he make of what he's heard that's all coming up right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for houston astros and lsu tigers in southwest louisiana Houdan is ready for saints talk the give the camara breaks through spins at the two into the end zone Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Oh, it's time to talk Saints OTAs with our guy, John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated SI Now. Bud, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. All right, bud. Lots of buzz coming out about OTAs, which is something I wasn't anticipating having to ever say on the radio. But here we are because of all the new faces, because of the new coach. So just give us your initial thoughts of what you're seeing this week for the voluntary workouts. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's hard not to say how excited you are about football being back. And, you know, I'm one of those nerds that pay attention to just as much as I can. I'm watching even special team reps, trying to get everything I can out of it, right? I think a couple storylines, the biggest things here, right? First thing would be Jarvis Landry was there. That's huge. Um, you know, looked the part. Everything you wanted to expect out of a guy like him made one of the base, best plays of the day. He had a defender draped all over him, holding him. I mean, it would have drew a flag, right? Um, of course, some people might argue that because it's the Saints, but – at any rate, he uh, he made a, a really good adjustment on the ball, one-handed catch. I, I didn't see anything he dropped yesterday. So that's the first big thing I'd say from yesterday's session that Jarvis Landry was there. Looks great. Uh, expect everything you'd expect out of a veteran, right? Um, and then the other things I'd say is, look, Jameis Winston, a lot of talk was made about him having a limp. And again, he's moving extremely well. And I think this is something that's super overblown. 
everybody that's covered this beat and have seen Jameis, it's, I don't think it's a non-issue or, or we think it's a non-issue obviously. And, um, you know, training camp, obviously it'll only get better, but you know, again, stuff like that. And just seeing some of these guys that um, weren't there last week that were back, uh, you know, getting Marcus May walking through walkthroughs, that's huge. Um, you know, Adam Troutman being back, uh, Andres Pete being back. A lot of these guys coming back into the fold. It's just good to have the Sage football there and just to be able to see a lot of stuff. But there's multiple things we could talk about here. All right. Well, let's. I'm glad you went ahead and set the table that way, brother, because I want to start at wide receiver. I know Michael Thomas is still slow to recover, but you got Landry out there. You got the other guys who did not live up to the expectations of being the number one, number two, and number three last year. They get to be the four, five, six this year. What stood out to you so far from the wide receiving core? Yeah, look, again, uh, Chris Olave, he's hard not to, to, to look at. I mean, the guy is just, as Jameis called it last week, smooth as the other side of the pillow. And I think that's every single person that's talked about smooth. He just makes things look easy. His route running looks great. I mean, he's crisp. He can turn on a dime and just make it look effortless. So, and uh, good, strong hands. But look, outside of that, you know, Deontay Hardy, we haven't seen him for the past couple of weeks. Again, voluntary attendance at OTAs. This is nothing that you have to really make a big deal about. And so um, that's left guys like Marquez Callaway, obviously, to do his thing. Traquan Smith has been there. I don't think I'd say there's anything that's left off the page there for you. Um, you know, yesterday, Aesop Winston was one of the guys that, you know, last year, he did some good things in camp and stuff and was more of a returner guy, but you can see he's kind of progressing there and uh, guys like Kirk Merritt, who we kind of forgot about uh, guy, they picked up on a reserve future deal from the dolphins. He was around and you see a little bit more prominence. And some of these guys are getting more work at like gunner on special teams. So guys like Kwan Baker, a prominent guy on at gunner or Kirk Merritt, like you just said. And I mean, those are some of the ones that you want to pay attention to, but you know, look, really we've talked about it. Um, Callaway, Traquan Smith, and Deontay Hardy are going to be those next three in line, assuming Michael Thomas is going to be 100%, which we expect him to for training camp. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a hard roster to crack, but these practice squad guys are going to matter in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, it, it will matter, but this is going to be a heck of a training camp battle. And I, and I think it's just going to make everyone better, especially those guys like Smith and Hardy and Callaway. Plus, the, the bigger thing, John, is – they're not going to have to have the weight of the world on their shoulders being responsible for being, being the primary options. That's going to go to Michael Thomas and Alave and Jarvis Landry, and that's going to play a huge role in that. How much is Jarvis being in that room, on that team, and being the wise veteran, being the mentor to all those guys, how big of a deal is that for this team? I think it's huge. I mean, you know, you looked at it last year, they brought in some vets. I mean, Kevin white up and down type thing. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's obviously still trying to, to do some things and look, he looks good for the most part, but it's obviously hard and I don't want to say fair to him, but you know, he's trying to revitalize his career and such, but he's a guy that's been around too, but, um, and they tried with Kenny stills, but I mean, this guy wasn't a locker room leader. I mean, he was called for what it is and he just wasn't, good for what he did last season but you know getting a guy like Jarvis anytime you can get a veteran guy in there and, and I think it's, it's important because you've lost a big voice in your locker room and Malcolm Jenkins right and so you got to have guys that are going to fill that void so Tyron Matthews obviously won Marcus May's been around but from the offensive side you know 
guys you lost a guy like Teron Armstead who's been there so it's kind of like guys like Jameis guys like Jarvis Landry that's going to do big things for this team I mean you saw kind of if you didn't keep up with Jarvis just kind of how he talks to that wide receiver locker room in Cleveland I mean this guy's fiery and passion he's he's amped up and he has a lot to prove this season right because he hasn't had a thousand yard season in you know pretty much three years and so uh, past two have not been good campaigns for him so Look, he's ear-to-ear grin when he's talking about Jameis Winston, and and I think that's also another subtle takeaway is that a lot of players are choosing the Saints because of Jameis Winston on some of this and are excited to work with Jameis Winston, and a lot of people are really sleeping on him, if you will. But, look, Jarvis being in that locker room and being around those wide receivers, I guarantee it's going to help every single person out. And I tell you another thing, not to get total on a tangent, but Cody Burns is going to help tremendously i we talked to him at rookie camp talked to him a good bit and even jarvis said yesterday he's like look i've been in the league you know nine years and such and there's things he's telling me from a technique and detail standpoint that i've never looked at in my career and so that's also promising talking with john j Hendricks, si now saints reporter he joins us here in rp3 and company talking voluntary workouts otas let's talk about Jameis because jarvis mentioned one of the reasons why he decided to come was because of Jameis. And some people were caught off guard by that. People that cover the team, though, not weren't necessarily caught off guard by that because of how well-respected and liked he is in the locker room and by the front office and by the coaching staff, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is Jameis Winston, again, and I go back to the first time we talked to him is when he joined the team. Just you could see a totally different version of himself, right? And the professionalism that he brings. And just this is not a guy that was young, immature in the league and all this other stuff. He, he had to be humbled a little bit in a way, right? Because he wasn't in a starting role. He had came and to learn behind Drew Brees and learn this offense. And so, um, again, and that's the types of things we've seen. And, and last year, it sucks that he, he got hurt because if he doesn't get, if he did, doesn't get hurt, there's no telling what his potential would have been in the season because he was off to a great start. Um, obviously wasn't as strong as of a start as like, you know, throwing it 30, 40 times or averaging three, 400 yards a game. But look, Saints would have been in the playoffs if Jameis Winston would have played. Right. And so I think it only would have been his trajectory last season only would have went up from there. But, you know, again, just talking about, again, the way he commands the huddle, the way he gets guys in position. I mean, he's a smart guy. Right. And I know it sounds like, well, he's a football player. He's a quarterback. You're supposed to be, but it's just something, a different element to Jameis when you watch him and see how he go, goes and takes the reps and things he's picking up on him saying, hey, you know, I looked at Drew Brees film and, you know, noticed how he utilized Camara. I can use those types of situations and be smarter when it comes to, to play recognition and, and such. So, again, I, I think the version they get for him, it was obviously hard with the whole Deshaun Watson thing, but he think he learned a lot of things about himself and look, the saints are somewhat invested in him, but you know, it's one of those things where it behooves him to really perform well for his next contract. But, you know, look, I'd bank on him having a really strong season. How's the offensive line going to shake up, bud? Now that Doug Marone is there to help fix some of the guys. Um, you know, look, I, I think as of right now, um, you know, James Hurst hasn't been around again. He's a veteran OTAs it's going to be his job to lose. Right. And I think Trevor Penning has an absolute high ceiling. I think he's going to be the guy eventually that does start. Won't surprise me if James Hurst does get that first crack and obviously he's going to be there. Um, 
but you know, look, I think along the line, it's going to be the familiar cast of characters, right? It's going to be Cesar Ruiz and Andres Pete at guard, unless somebody like Calvin Throckmorton can come and take it, the, the reins from him. And look, Throckmorton started 14 games, right? Last season for the team. And he's somebody that not many people talk about. I've been talking a lot about him, just the fact that, you know, it's never a problem until it's broke until it's a big issue, like what happened with Ruiz. But you know, um, Ruiz is a guy that can benefit from Doug Marone, and I'm a big believer in Marone as a coach and what he can do to help this team. He can help guys like Pete and Ruiz, but, you know, look, guys behind him and waiting like Throckmorton or like a Forrest Lamp, a veteran who's been around, you know, you can't sleep on them, and they're guys that could potentially try to unseat these other ones. Um, Eric McCoy at center is going to be a staple, and Ryan Ramchek is going to be a staple at right tackle. So I, I think when you look at it, obviously, if you had to pick it now, your starting lineup would be Hurst. It would be Pete. It would be Ruiz and uh, at guard. Um, then Ryan Ramchek and and McCoy. But that's all subject to change. Without the exception of McCoy and Ramchek, I think those two are obviously your only definites there. But again, I like Doug Marone and what he's going to bring to the table. Very attention detail um, and it just gets the best out of players, especially going to a familiar position on the offensive line. I mean, I think we have more reason to be optimistic, but. I understand that, you know, bad blood on Saints fans when you see what Pete and Ruiz have done, that it's easier to bet against them than to be on them. Could the young man, young out of Kentucky, that they were very high on last year, the rookie, could he force the issue and be able to push somebody uh, for playing time? Well, look, I mean, he was at right tackle yesterday. I mean, Ramchek was around and he's, he was doing reps. But again, this is OTA. So obviously he's your second piece of depth out there behind more of a Ramchek replacement, if you will, or not replacement, but more insurance policy. And, you know, look, I thought Landon Young was having a pretty good season last year. Obviously, you know, against Philly, he comes in and, and he starts in that particular situation, ends up getting hurt, foot injury, gone for the year, right? And so... Um, Young is a guy that I think can grow and develop, um, you know, look at the tackle depth, you know, they would have pinning Young and Ramchuk and then obviously James Hurst. And, you know, I think for him, Young is a guy that I've seen more on the outside at right tackle so far, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they move him or shift him around because most of these guys, the Saints have, especially guys like Ethan Greenidge or Forrest Lamp. Uh, Josh Andrews event that they have. I mean, they're versatile. They can, they're putting them on the outside. They're putting them on the inside. They're putting them at center. They're doing things with those guys. So young is a guy that we have to keep an eye on, but look at anything. Um, he's definitely a good insurance policy to have for Ryan Ramchick. I don't know if we'll see him more on the left side just because you have Hurst and Penning, but uh, he's a guy that I really like. And I think has a great, great future ahead of him. John, Appreciate you, Tom, as always, brother. Thank you for making it. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy OTAs, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, man. Appreciate it as always. Enjoy yours as well. That's our buddy, John J. Hendricks. Covers the New Orleans Saints for SI Now. Also, Como High legend. Local boy done good. That's right. Local boy done good. Always got to love those. Before we hit our timeout, Got to tell you about my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. I know you love to entertain in the fall, right, for football season, college, and the NFL. Whether you're cheering on McNeese or UL or LSU or the Saints, it does not matter. You love to have the fellas over, the family over, to entertain for the big games. Why not take that outdoor living space or your man cave area and take it to the next level? Go 
visit my friends at Lafayette Marble and Granite because they're going to take that outdoor living space of yours and that main cave area and make it the envy of the neighborhood. You know they do show-stopping countertops for kitchens and bathrooms, but they also handle man caves and outdoor living spaces. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday, and they're going to be able to do great things for you. Go check out the great services they offer, the great products that they have, and take your man cave outdoor living space to the next level make it be the envy of the neighborhood this coming fall once again visit their website lmgelite.com or simply stop by their showroom located right there on i-49 north across from hub city ford and the jockey lot it's lafayette marble and granite they're looking to earn your business and trust me earn it they will we got to wrap up today's show finalize the poll question that's all coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros and LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Oh, I want to take a moment to thank our guest, James Yasko, the Lima Time Time podcast, William Weathers from Tiger Rag, Nick Fondo, semi-pro gambler, and of course, John J. Hendricks from SI Now. Reminder, LSU Baseball Live versus Kennesaw State from the Hattiesburg Regional. You can hear it right here on the game. First pitch, 6 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 5.30 right here on the game. Astros versus Royals can be heard on our sister station tonight, News Talk 98.5 FM, as they begin the three-game series to wrap up that road trip. But right now, it's time for us to unveil the call that was better than anyone else's this week. It's time for the Game Changer of the Week. Here is this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, bald and beautiful. And, and uh, I'm just going to say this morning, I got it right on my on my comment on y'all. Oh, question today is the fighting meshes that's going to get swept in the NBA Finals, a.k.a. the Boston Celtics. But I got I to gotta, I gotta compliment you for that wonderful take that you just covered about you think the Astros care about what some Yankees fans are saying that they were banging on trash cans. First of all, at least their fans know how to throw trash in those trash cans and not onto the field. <laughs> but there was nice. there was there was one name that I kept that kept going through my head every time you said that take on the Houston Astros and that that's Mr. Mr. Yankees lover himself, Mr. Paul. Okay? You think that the Astros care that he thinks that the Astros are a bunch of cheetahs banging on trash? No. Like you said, it only fuels them. Now, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, but I also do like the Astros. I have nothing against them. But, uh, but like I said, that only fuels them. You made my day by 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 bringing that topic up. And um, you said that, yeah, the Yankees may be in the driver's seat, but they're in the driver's seat of a, of a bus with four flat tires, and they – they are gonna crash and burn like they always do. The Astros got their number. They're not gonna win no World Series, and I'm gonna say it till October. And I'm gonna when I see Paul in October again, I'm gonna say I told you so. <laughs> I hope he's got his. I hope he's got his his counseling, uh, his counseling services all lined up because yet again his Yankees are gonna 
disappoint them like they always do. And uh, that's pretty much all I got to say this morning. But it's a glorious day. My Red Sox beat, beat the Reds. And uh, that's all I got to say, man. Have a good one. Oh, and also another. Martin with the phone call of the week. The game changer of the week. Shout out to him for that. Shout out to everyone who called in this week here on RP3 and Company. Final question of the day, final results. Which Saints player are you the most excited to see suit up? 45% of you say it's Tyron Matthew. For the intern extraordinaire, Daryl, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch. The third, we'll do it all again on Monday, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Astros and Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.